am Monica Joy, founder of Assistance in Mind, AIM, a networking space for assistance worldwide, from virtual, executive, administrative, and personal assistance across all industries, sharing experience and building a community for growth and opportunity. Get involved, stay relevant. Get the latest from hundreds of resources, from blogs, articles, ebooks, our forum, and a trending podcast. Interact with the community and get involved. Thank you for tuning into this podcast and for keeping assistance in mind. Hello, everyone. This is Monica Joy, and welcome to the AIM podcast. So I am here with Debbie, the owner of the Busy Bee Virtual Assistant, and I would like to give her a warm welcome to all of you out there listening. So Debbie, I'll hand it off to you to give yourself a little intro, and then we can dive right into some questions. Thank you, Monica. I'm really excited to be here today and be able to kind of share just some more information about being a virtual assistant and how others can kind of take charge and do something that they really love. I come from a healthcare industry with over 26 years of experience. As you know, healthcare is a very busy and ever-changing industry. I worked for a VP director and the director of finance and, you know, ran around, and I really enjoyed what I was doing. I liked the variety. Yes, I had my traditional day-to-day tasks that I had to handle, but on the other hand, I also had a lot of things that changed each day. I have a lot of experience with for-profit and not-for-profit. Kind of seems healthcare tends to become full circle, and it always comes back to me. I joke and say that I was born into healthcare, but I never went for the training behind it. I have an associate's degree in computer information systems, so I do like to call myself a computer geek. What I really mean by that is I'm not afraid of a computer. So I'll tip my monitor upside down, I'll put some memory in it or something. I really like teaching myself when it comes down to computers. I also have a bachelor's degree in marketing. So kind of gives me a little bit of that background in terms of how to get out there and really network. Networking is definitely a strong suit of mine really being able to have the opportunity to talk to other people and, you know, engage and, you know, really just kind of make those connections. Let me give you a little background how I walked out of healthcare. I had been with them for 26 years and then the pandemic hit. And I think that was really an eye opener for everybody. At that particular point in time, what I found was I was in a position that there was no more room for growth. And healthcare, as I said previously, is ever-changing and is always growing. But in my particular role, there really was not additional room for growth. So after some serious soul-searching and talking with my husband, who, you know, God love him, he's very, very supportive, I decided to make a career change after 26 years. I had been a virtual assistant on a very part-time basis um, for approximately 17 years at that point. And so I knew what I had to do. I just had to take that leap of faith and I just had to do it. I absolutely do not regret making that change. So with that said, you know, to really have the busy BS by full-time position, it is so rewarding, absolutely rewarding day in and day out. I know we're going to get into a little bit more about that. On a personal side, I live in upstate New York. Husband, three grown children, two dogs, and two cats. Usually when I'm on a Zoom call, one of my cats happens to walk by, of course, as I'm in the middle of a Zoom call. One of them looks like a skunk. So yesterday I was talking to a client and I actually had to say, 
That is not a skunk. That's my cat. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little bit about me and my background. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Very colorful backgrounds. Lovely. And I think people are going to appreciate definitely how you started doing this on the side. And you did it on the side. So you kind of got your feet wet before you jumped all in. So how was that transition when you actually went full on in? How was that? Well, I will say it's definitely different. I'm a people person, you know? So when you make that transition from working eight to four, Monday through Friday in an office setting where you're always running around, you're always talking to people, that's huge. I talk to my animals most days these days, you know, but that's okay because the power of technology, the Zoom calls, text messages, social media, Slack messages, all of those kind of things, you can still have that interpersonal conversation with people. But the biggest thing I really think I take away from that is productivity increases because you don't have that person coming to your desk. You don't have that person saying, oh, you got five minutes so I can complain about the latest office gossip. Not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. It can sometimes be a welcome distraction. But I would definitely say that that was the biggest change going from such a fast-paced, constantly moving around to sitting in you know, my own setting and not having that running here, here, and all over the place. Great. I like that. That sounded like that was a nice, smooth transition for you. So you were fortunate in that aspect. If you kind of could pay, like, think about it from someone who maybe hasn't done virtual assisting on the side, would you recommend them doing that first before diving all in? What's your perspective of that? I think it really goes based upon the person. Everybody has different work styles and the way that they interact. Some people I have heard over the last few years throughout the course of the pandemic and being remote and hybrid and, you know, people saying, oh, I could not wait to get back into the office because they needed that socialization. They needed the interaction. For myself, I needed to be at home. That's what I knew I would be best at doing. So I don't think there's a wrong way to start as being a virtual assistant. You have to go with your gut instinct. You're never going to know until you try. But again, you also have to be able to have the means to be able to say, yes, I can quit my full-time job or no, let's kind of start to see if it even flourishes at all. Right. I like that advice. I like that advice because everybody is different in terms of where they are in life. So some might have the luxury and extra time, right? To say, okay, let me do this on the side and try it out before I actually go full on. Correct. And they may find that they're like, oh no, that was not for me, you know? And again, it really comes down to the person and how they operate. So we have this person, say they realize they do want to be a virtual assistant. They want to start their own business. What would be a couple pieces of advice that you would give someone starting off the VA career? They really just need to make sure they have a dedicated space. It doesn't have to be a fancy space in their house. If you can work at your kitchen table, that's fine. I mean, you know, I I would probably get tired of sitting at the kitchen table all day long. You know, if that's where you had to sit, you would sit. So it doesn't have to be fancy, but you need to make sure you have the tools for whatever services that you're looking to provide. 
You need to make sure, obviously, that you have a high-speed internet. You don't want to provide a service if you know your internet is consistently cutting out. Obviously, that's going to impact your day-to-day productivity, and it's not going to make some clients happy. So you really need to make sure that your setup is conducive for providing those services, whatever the services are. You need to make sure that you are not afraid to talk to people, you know, be able to say, and especially you really want to like rely on your family and friends. You have to be able to say, listen, I am starting out as a virtual assistant. I'm really interested in making this career change. Can you help me? And can you share my Facebook page or my Instagram page? You know, you really have to be able to talk to people and get out there and just kind of say, oh, well, this is what I do. It's not easy sometimes. And people have a very difficult time being able to do public speaking. It's definitely important to get the word out there. You can't just decide you're going to become a virtual assistant and then turn around and not necessarily look to interact with others to see how they get started. And, you know, as virtual assistants, I find we have conversations all together. None of us are competing against each other. We are all very, very helpful And we're all looking to assist the other one to get started or even continue to grow and learn. So it's not something that somebody else is going to kind of take you down or say, no, I'm not going to help you because you'd be competing with me because that's not the case. We all have our niches. We all have our industries we work with. You know, we're all different. So that's what I really like about the power of networking throughout any social media channels. I love that too. And AIM is about a community of networking and upbuilding one another in terms of this profession, because a lot of the times people think assistants just get coffee or they take notes. So when they really understand that you really have to drill down on a niche in terms of what you're good at. And that starts to narrow down in terms of, you know, there's not that many people competing with you because maybe you offer IT and marketing and someone doesn't. So a client might look to you. Exactly. So with you, what is your niche? I know we touched base on a little bit. You did healthcare. You got an associate's degree in information technology, bachelor's in marketing. But what is your niche when it comes to the business and the populations that you serve? I would say high-level executive assistant work. Managing calendars is one thing, but when you're managing calendars for seven to 10 senior leadership team members, that's a lot of work right there. That could take you all day. That's a job in itself. (laughs) Exactly. So I would say, you know, some executive level, but definitely project management. I took that on maybe about five, six years ago. I found it so rewarding to have a project from start to finish and really see it through completion and make it my own. So project management and, you know, determining the processes behind making the workflow easier, more efficient, smoother, because we're all busy these days. And, you know, how can we streamline it? How can we make it so we're only touching something once and we're not duplicating efforts, we're not duplicating our work? So, you know, I would definitely say the business and project management components are my strong suit and what I really 
strive to offer. I like that you offer that high caliber level assisting. So, you know, a client has the option of saying, you know, maybe I want someone just entry level because it's basic stuff. But then when they're really getting into the nitty gritty, I need someone on Debbie's level who can do X, Y, and Z. So I love Correct. And I think because you do project management, you do all these high caliber things. I think that changes the perception of what a virtual assistant is. And maybe we can elaborate on that. How do we change that perception of what a virtual assistant is? Because obviously you're more than just a virtual assistant when it comes to your skill set. Actually, I have a very good example. This past weekend, I went out to dinner with my husband and kids and I saw somebody I used to work with. What are you doing these days? And I said, well, I'm a virtual assistant and, you know, working for my own myself. I have my own business. And all of a sudden, when I said virtual assistant, her face changed. And I immediately knew that she was like, what is a virtual assistant? And so I immediately picked up on that. And I said, everything that an executive assistant does in the office is what I do. But I do it from home and I do it for a variety of clientele. It could be a mom who is just so busy that just can't handle X, Y, and Z. It can be for a large organization, a small business. So I really try to encourage, you know, people to just kind of think a little bit. This is the services that could be offered. Now, VAs have been around for a very long time. They have only really started to take popularity since the pandemic. It's huge these days. Huge. So many people are like, businesses were forced to close or downsize. And now they're starting to kind of reopen and, you know, be able to kind of build the business back up again. Now they're like, I really need some help. Right. So just being able to educate individuals, business owners, how we can help them is the biggest thing. I've talked about networking. That is huge. You have to talk 10 times before you even get one person to comment. You hear that so many times. And at this particular point in time, you might have to talk 20 times before you get somebody. Nowadays, you definitely correct, do, yeah. Correct. But again, the more you network, the more you put out on social media, for example, offering a service that maybe somebody didn't know that they could outsource. For example, it's what, May, and we're starting to get into graduation season. Maybe you have a busy mom who has 150 graduation invites that they want to send out. You put something along those lines out on social media and all of a sudden a mom sees it and says, wait a second, I can call up Debbie. Debbie's going to handle that. That's one thing that's off my plate. If you put that information out there, it's educating somebody. So the more you talk about it, the more you say what you do, the better it changes that perception. And it's helping the business owners. You talk to the business owners about how it's saving money by not having somebody in the office, but being able to allow those business owners to focus more on their important tasks, like drumming up business. I like that. Yeah. Let the VAs handle that day-to-day stuff that takes up time from you being strategic, because that's what you Correct. need to grow your companies, that strategic Correct. mindset. I yes. love that. I love yes. that. And then it opens up so much more potential for them because they're not worried about these nuances that is a nuance to them. But to us, this is everyday work. We can knock it out the park, Correct. right? Correct. And yep. for them, 
you know, they might spend two or three hours working on maybe some type of spreadsheet that we can knock out in 30 to 45 minutes because this is what we do. And we're saving time, energy, money. In regards to that, I would also say another maybe kind of barrier that what I'm seeing is those individuals who reach out looking for a virtual assistant, they've never been down that road before. Right. So they don't know what to expect. They don't know you as a person. So they have to build up the trust. So they're very apprehensive. And I really just kind of come down and say, ensure that my personality is coming through via our conversation. Whether it's the telephone, it's email, it's Zoom. I want them to know that they're getting a good service. I'm not slacking. I try to really encourage them and have them start with something small, a small task so they get an idea of what kind of work is then generated. So they're like, oh, okay, let's continue on with this. She provided this awesome service you know, did the task exactly how I requested. And she did it in a very quick turnaround time. So we're going to send something else to her. I think that's the biggest perception that I have kind of been seeing lately is, you know, new clients are like, I've never had a virtual assistant before. So I'm a little nervous, you know, because they're putting out money that they just don't know what they're going to get. Exactly. I totally agree. And another thing about that, that I find, I don't know if you find this, but they don't know how to delegate high functioning executives just are so used to taking so much on. They don't know how to delegate. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, even sometimes that comes down to just individuals as well. And I have a nice little basket of clients. I have moms, I have just individuals, I have small business owners, and I have some large organizations. So all of that is a nice mix of clients, but each one of them has a very difficult time saying, wait a second, Deb, just handle this. It will take them two seconds to forward me an email and say, handle this for me because it's just in our nature. Okay, we're not just going to delegate. I'll just handle it myself. It Let somebody else do that. You focus on something that's more important or pressing that you need to handle today. I like that. Yeah. And I think to kind of flip the script a little bit, how does a virtual assistant feel empowered in their role in terms of maybe their client isn't delegating things and they're feeling like, well, what if I lose this client because I'm not doing enough for them? What if they don't see my value? So how do they feel empowered in the role to maybe take the initiative to work with that client and kind of reel them in a little bit to say, so leading the horse to the water, how do they do that? Really say it comes down to conversations. When I have a conversation with a client, I try to, what's going on? How are things, you know, what's going on in your workload? And, you know, just trying to really pull more information out of them, what they have that they're overwhelmed with or focused on. And I'll just kind of say, well, why don't you let me look at that? Or if they say something that will lead me to believe that they're trying to work on a project and the process is very tedious. I try to say, let me take a look at that to see if we can streamline the process a little bit, make it a little bit more efficient. And what that does in two aspects is it takes the task off of their plate 
But yet it also allows us to look at the process to say, can it be done differently? Can it be done more efficiently? Whether or not that person continues to use a virtual assistant for that particular task, they have a more streamlined process behind it. So I think it really comes down to conversation, you know, just having that conversation with the client, just to kind of say, how are things going? What's going on? What are you working on? Anything I can take off of your plate? I think it does come down to ultimately the quality of work as a virtual assistant that you offer to your clients only determines how much more they're going to continue to give you. So if you're constantly giving them work that has mistakes, now listen, mistakes happen. Right. Yeah. But glad you touched based on that. Yes. If you are always providing work back to your client that has errors, they have corrections or constant changes. Obviously, they're not going to continue to give you work and may not continue to use you any longer. But if you're providing a high quality level of work back to them on a consistent basis, you're friendly, you're timely, you're always responding to them when they're reaching out to you, they're going to continue to want to use you. Yeah, because I think a lot of the time it's the convenience of it all. When they have access to you, they start to build that trust up. And you mentioned that before and you being becoming available to them for them when they need you, that slowly builds that trust. And then like you said, mistakes happen, but you can build that confidence within the client that, you know, yes, mistakes happen. Yes, there's going to be a learning curve, but at the end of the day, I know she can deliver. I know Debbie is going to deliver because based on all her other work, she's consistent. She's reliable. She's trustworthy. So I really like that. And I know clients can be a pain sometimes. They can nitpick. But, you know, as a virtual assistant, you have to know what's nitpicking and what's really your mistake. And I think that's an important thing when it comes to mistakes, because a lot of people come across a client who's nitpicky. I know I have. I don't know if you have or if you want to share an experience about that. That would be interesting. But one thing I do want to ask you is if your dream client walk through the door, what does your dream client look like? What are they? What industry are they in? What are they doing? Where are they at at their lives? You know, that's a really interesting question. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I really haven't ever thought about that. I guess I really would say a dream client would be somebody who could delegate and put the trust in myself as a virtual assistant and just say, listen, Deb, this is exactly what I need. I need it by this date. I don't care how you get to that end goal, but just provide this to me. That dream client is not micromanaging and is not over, you know, my shoulder saying, how's it going? Where are you at? What's the status? But again, that also comes back on me as the virtual assistant to make sure that I'm keeping those open lines of communication. If I'm running into that roadblock, I am then turning around to that client and saying, I got this problem or this issue or this unexpected response for this project. How do you want to proceed? Because keeping those open lines of communication helps to make that client not be a micromanager. So I would really say, you know, being able to delegate and having trust 
in the virtual assistant would be the dream client. And I can honestly say all of my clients are like that, which is good. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear that because I know a lot of us have gotten nightmare clients. I don't know if you ever have, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, okay, what's your dream client? Have you ever, what's like a nightmare that you've had? I know we can't name drop to warn others out there, but what are some of the traits or red flags that we can look out for? I would probably say micromanaging, unrealistic expectations. That one tends to be a big one. There's definitely, I've got a couple that have crossed my path that, (laughs) you know, I just try to roll with the punches, but it gets to the point where you're like, I don't deserve to be, you know, spoken to or treated that particular way. And, you know, I really just have to kind of be firm, but yet also try to remain encouraging. I do know when a situation is not good for me, but, you know, and sometimes some people who are looking for a virtual assistant just don't need a virtual assistant because they are that controlling person who cannot delegate and actually needs to handle everything themselves. So again, I really just try to roll with the punches and I just try to, okay, we've got this and do the best that I can with whatever is presented to me and really just kind of say, this is X type of personality that is just not understanding the whole process. But, you know, luckily I haven't had too many of those clients. You're fortunate. (laughs) You're fortunate, Debbie. (laughs) I've gone through my bouts with clients and I'm just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And then writing that conversation, definitely. And I think that's all about the empowerment in our roles is we have to know, you know, what our worth is, what our value is, what we bring to the table. So we shouldn't put up with certain things. And what I heard from your response, your answer was really seeing to understanding who that person is as well in that communication process. So what I tell a lot of the up and coming VAs is I say, when you do that initial interview, that's not just them interviewing you. That's you also interviewing them. Exactly. Because you need to make sure that you have a good working relationship because it will not be successful in whatever role you are in. If you're a VA as a very part-time VA or you're a full-time VA, you have to have a very good, solid working relationship or it is just not going to work. I agree with you. It has to be solid. And sometimes I think, you know, right off the bat, that client's not going to be for me. In my gut, I just don't feel it. I know I have that intuition. After doing it for so long, I have that intuition now where I say, nah, I can refer you to somebody else. I never say no. I always say I can refer you. That's why I love having this network. I love having this network. Absolutely. Yeah. I find myself doing that a lot more these days just because my load, I don't have to take on as, and I can't take on as much as I used to do when I was younger. But one thing that I want to ask you in terms, because I know you're into technology, you said, and, you know, probably up to date with all the gadgets and stuff. What are some technologies that you would recommend for a virtual assistant? I know you mentioned the high-speed internet connection, but what are some other recommendations that you can give to an assistant that will make them be successful when they're starting up their own business? Well, you want to make sure they have a decent computer. Doesn't need to be from 1980. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> you I don't think that's sure. it with all these upgrades nowadays. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You want to make sure, but it also doesn't have to be the latest and greatest either. But you don't want the computer that is takes 10 minutes to boot up every day or it randomly shuts down throughout the course of the day. It doesn't do the latest updates like you just mentioned, you know, because updates are coming out fast and furious and you really want to make sure that your computer is up to date in terms of any software programs, any firewall viruses, because you could potentially have important information on your computer that is you know, relative to your clients, whether it is password information for a project, you know, checking emails, you could have that saved on your computer. You could have documents saved on your computer. You want to ensure all of that information is preserved and secure on a consistent basis. I have mine set up. So I do a nightly backup onto an external hard drive. I have a virus scan and just a complete security check of my computer that runs on a nightly basis. I do any of the updates that are required as they come in. I lock my computer after two minutes if I'm not doing anything, which I can tell you if I'm sitting here and happen to be looking at paper and not at the computer and then the computer locks, I'm like, come on, I'm here, I'm working. But it's a good thing because if I do get up and I walk away, that prevents anybody from accessing, you know, any potential client information. I always tell all of my clients that should our contract end, all of their information that I have on my computers will be removed. Any documents would be sent back to them. I will also say with the power of cloud-based software systems these days, Google Drive, OneDrive, SharePoint, those kind of things, it's nice because you can put the client documents right out there rather than them being saved on your particular computer, which is helpful because it gives that client just a little bit of reassurance knowing that I'm not going to take something of theirs and, you know, share it somewhere. So I do always like to tell them, provide that particular, let me use your server, you know, your network and save it out to your Google Drive or something rather, you know, just for peace of mind. I definitely think that it's important, like I said, to have a good working computer. You don't need a printer. Who prints these days? You know, That's what I was saying. That's what I was saying the other day. You know, what's one hack that I found out that, you know, maybe I can share is that a client had given me a letter to mail and I was like, darn it, I don't have a printer. But then I found this service online that you can upload an electronic document because they emailed it to me. And then send it, stamp it, mail it yourself. So you don't have to have a computer. I'm glad you touched base on that because someone can learn something out there (laughs) listening to this podcast. You don't need a printer. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Now I will say I do have a couple of printers because I have a couple of clients that does require me to have the printers. But I also have a scanner and I had purchased a new scanner the beginning of last year. That's one of the services that I offer. I have some accountants who are trying to reduce their paper load and they'll hire me to just do some scanning for them. And that's something I just put in the scanner and it scans, it saves. And then I upload those documents to a OneDrive for them, share it with them, and then they can shred that documentation. So I have that because that's a service I offer. 
but you don't need to have that service. And technology, when it comes down to it, just make sure you've got a good working computer, you've got high-speed internet. I do like my wireless Bluetooth headphones because it's easy. I'm not having to have wires hanging down or, you know, wondering if there's going to be a lot of distraction that the recipient that I'm talking to can hear throughout my house, those kind of things. You don't need a lot to get started, though. Yeah, you don't. It's really as long as you, like you said, your kitchen table can be your starting point. Correct. And as you grow, your office will grow. Your whole setup will grow. But I think when you're starting off, it's not like you're going to start off with a boatload of clients. I mean, in reality, you know, we get our clients here and there. And then, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. they might be a waterfall clients. That's always nice. But usually they trickle in in the beginning because, you know, we're holding down on what's our marketing look like? How are we getting these clients? Where are we going? What platforms are we using? So I know that you have a marketing background and that's wonderful. Um, As a virtual assistant, I think that's definitely a plus, plus, plus. So you have an advantage that (laughs) others don't. So definitely. But what would you recommend in terms of a new virtual assistant getting out there and they don't have a clue about marketing? As long as somebody can talk and network to others, you don't have to have a degree. You have to have an understanding, a solid understanding. And what I also would say is look for, you know, like those free educational webinars that are offered. You see them on LinkedIn. You see them all over the place. Actually, I'm taking one tomorrow on a QuickBooks one. Because I do a lot of bookkeeping for clients as well. And as long as you continue to look at ways that you can grow your knowledge, that is what you want. So as long as you can talk to people. I love that. And then you take the initiative to continuously learn. And you can even just learn by going out to Google and typing, how do I do this formula in Excel? It's so easy these days to continue to grow our brain. Yeah, I agree. And I love the way you put it. Easy. Straight, it really is. It's easy. Yes. Some people think it's so complicated, so convoluted, and they get intimidated by everything that's out there. You don't need everything that's out there. And you want to sign up for those informational blogs. You want to sign up, go to Eventbrite and see what kind of you know webinars they're offering. Go to LinkedIn and... Just sit there and try to find educational things that you can read or attend virtually so you can just continue to learn something and talk. Find out what others are doing. And one thing I like to tell my audience is that the learning never stops. No, it does not. Yeah, it never stops. You learn something new with all the technology rolling out, all the hacks, the secrets, the this, the that. I learn something new every day. And I thought I was a whiz at virtual system. Like, (laughs) I got this. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I like that part because I like being able to say, oh, that's how you do whatever. Or you're faced with not being able to figure out that formula in Excel. And then you finally figure it out and you're like, sweet, my day is accomplished. I have learned something new. But it's true because I want to continue. My brain, got to keep that brain moving and engaged. And I think that's the biggest thing. As long as we continue to just read and learn and talk, those are the biggest. 
Yeah, I know you touched base on communication and I know that's a valuable skill. That's definitely something that when we're starting out in business, like you said, you don't have to have a lot of tools. You just need to know how to talk. And I think a lot of us in the beginning were a little bit unsure because it's like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Do we talk about our services? Do we talk about what we did in the past? Do we talk about what I can do in the future? Like, where am I supposed to pinpoint? But you know what? It comes naturally once you just do a little bit of practice, talking to yourself in the mirror a little bit. It's kind of like an elevator pitch. Have you had an elevator pitch? (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, it is. It's really just kind of, this is what I do. This is what I can offer you. How can I help you? And if I can't help you, do you know somebody I can? Because you really just kind of, you want to be able to just educate and let people know yes. what you can offer them. Yeah. I think it starts that as long as you put it out there yes. in the atmosphere. I do this. I offer these services. You never know what can transpire in the future. You never know. And it comes back down to that, you know, you put something out on social media, like a service you can offer. And next thing you know, somebody's like, oh, you can do that for me? Okay. Because they didn't make the connection because they're so busy trying to live day to day. Right, exactly. All of a sudden they're like, oh, wait a second. I can outsource that to a virtual assistant. So by being able to educate others on what you can do and what you can offer, but it comes down to what are your strengths? What do you know that you're really good at? You don't want to say you're good at social media if you don't really know anything about social media and looking at the insights behind your posts and how is your post responding and what kind of audience is it generating? If you don't know that stuff and you just know how to go and share a video on Facebook, well, there's a difference behind social media. There's a huge difference. (laughs) Correct. So you want to know exactly what you're good at. And, you know, I had an example. I had a client of mine. She reached out to me last week and she was looking for something very specific with a virtual assistant. I knew I couldn't do that. And I said, I can't, but let me find somebody for you. You know, so those are the kind of situations only, you know, what your strengths are. Those are the services you should be offering. And I'm glad you touched base on that because I'm so glad that we made the connection because I don't do bookkeeping. I have a history of why I don't do it. It was my major starting off in college. Once they were like, got into T accounts, I was like, get me out of here. A debit is a credit and a credit is a a what? I was like, oh, this ain't for me. This is not for me. So now I have someone to refer to who has a bookkeeping background or accounting background. So that's great because I don't go anywhere near accounting. So I like how you said, if you don't know how to do it, don't sugarcoat it. Don't think you can learn it on the fly because a lot of the times they're coming to you to be efficient. So thank you for touching base on that because that's very important. Also appreciate how you said, you know, I can't do it, but I know someone who can and I can Correct. refer you to one or two Correct. and let you decipher who might be the best fit for you. And I think another big thing when you're just starting out, you're so eager to get clients. Oh yeah. That you want to be able to offer any service that they're requesting, but you have to be okay with saying, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about social media and how to look at your statistics behind it. You have to be not afraid to say that. And even though that client may say, okay, I have to look on, 
that's okay. You know, let them look, but you don't want to get in over your head and then provide a poor quality service because that only just comes back to you and it's not going to build you as a virtual assistant, as a brand, as a business. We have to be afraid to say, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't know anything about that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That reputation management, that's going to be very important because when you get Correct. clients, sometimes it comes from word of mouth. Sometimes other clients refer you to other people. So if yes. good, the word is going to spread and it goes the same. If you're bad, the word is going to spread a lot quicker. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> because we're always so willing to complain and make people aware of a bad business or a bad service. Right. And more people are inclined to read that or respond based upon that than they are on a positive experience. And I think that's one of the things, in my opinion, that makes a virtual assistant valuable is their honesty being able to be honest and transparent. And I know for me, that's kind of like my motto. It's, I like that honesty. I like that transparency. It goes hand in hand for me when I'm rolling out my services. When I was new in the game, I was like, as long as I'm transparent, you know, everything works. But what about for you? What makes a virtual assistant valuable? I always get people with this, like, ah, I gotcha. Because there's so many answers and there's so many right answers and good answers. I would definitely say that Being able to take some of those administrative tasks that you are not necessarily good at and hand them off to somebody else who is good at it is probably the most valuable thing when it comes down to a virtual assistant. Because, you know, for example, and I've always used this, some people are not strong when it comes down to computers, don't know how to manage their inbox. Right. Somebody the other day just tell me they had like 30,000 emails. And I said, oh my goodness. That's a pet peeve of mine. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but they said they just don't make the time to go through the emails. And that's not something they should be spending their time on, you know, right. because or, you know, researching something on the internet, place to stay or something along those lines. Because once you get on the internet, then you get, oh, I clicked here and now it's two hours later. We've all gone down that rabbit hole. Well, yes, that happens. At least we have an excuse because we're sitting here at the computer all day long. But, you know, like a business owner who thought it was going to be a quick five minute Google search turns into two hours and they have just lost two hours of building their business or something along those lines. Being able to delegate those unnecessary tasks that you don't need to focus on and providing those to a virtual assistant who can handle them and you can focus on something of more pressing priority needs for your business or even as an individual, a parent, a single person, whoever, I think that is the number one value that comes from a virtual assistant. I love that. And I know as we wind down on these last few questions, I do want to ask a very important question, definitely, you know, from you. What is something that an indispensable tool that you use that you just couldn't survive without? You know, a lot of people ask me this and, you know, I was thinking, hmm, that's a good question. I said the obvious answer, my phone. 
But then I was like, no, it's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be deeper than that. And you know what I said? What? A pen and a paper. Because when it comes down at the end of the day, if I can get my hands on a pen and a piece of paper, sometimes the creativity comes out. So for you, what's your tool? Well, you know, I think you kind of captured everything that I would say too, (laughs) you know, because I would probably say the first thing I thought of when he asked that question was, well, my phone. Duh, obviously, right? (laughs) But then as you said, a piece of paper and a pen made me think. And that is probably the most important thing because I keep a little pad of paper right next to my computer and every day I'm just jotting something down. Okay, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. I highlight my priorities for the day. I cross off things as they're done. But then it also gives me the opportunity to say, okay, well... We really need to focus, you know, something we're not capturing something. So thank you for that question because that <laughs> was really opening because the pad of paper is what kind of keeps me grounded. It keeps me focused. And, you know, in the morning when I sit down at my desk, I look at it and I know exactly what needs to get done. At the end of the day, I can say, hmm, I didn't get to this. So I'm going to reprioritize and those couple of things are going to be what I tackle first thing tomorrow morning. No matter how many tablets we have, cell phones we have, computers, laptops, whatever the case may be, sometimes you just need to grab a pen and a piece of paper to write something down. Because I know I live in a small little studio, my little apartment, right? And sometimes my client will call me and I'm fixing my lunch. But, you know, I'm like, I'm going to answer the call. Right. right? And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm not going to run back and go to the computer, turn it on, have to unlock it. Because me and you come from healthcare, so it's the whole <laughs> thing. I, I oh, get yes. it. I get it. Oh, yes. You got to hit that Windows L key and it's like, walk it up. Uh-huh. So you get up. So I'm like, okay, I'm juggling my phone, but I have my pad and pen there. It's so handy. It's so ready. It doesn't have an on and off button. And... <laughs> Yes. It takes no startup time. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to worry about if it's connected to anything, if it saves, it's just there. That's a tool that I have to have. No matter how much technology I have, I find pen and paper is cool. And I was looking at these writing tablets. I was like, that is pretty cool, but they're so pricey. They really are. They are so pricey. They are. And you think about what are the cool gadgets I can do? What can I, because I like how one of them, you can write it and then you press a button and it converts it to text and you can upload it. And then you can get on with your notes when you're back at the computer. I like that feature. I might invest in that, but it's (laughs) never going to replace that notepad and that pen. I know. I know. Actual, factual. I enjoyed having you as a guest and I want to make sure that if you have any questions for me, Because that's one thing I know we've gone on and on about a lot of things, but did you have any questions for me or maybe even pose the questions to the community out there who's listening? Like, I know this is like a catch 22, like, hmm, me becoming the interviewer. How interesting. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I don't think I would pose any question. I would just leave it that know your worth and take the leap of faith. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. so simple and straight to the point. I do love that. Life is too short. And if it's something that you're considering, do it because you won't have any regrets. Yeah. When you go with your gut and your intuition, you usually don't have any regrets. And that's what I tell a lot of these assistants out here. Like, if you want to do it, do it. The worst that can happen is a client is going to say no. You move on to the next. You move on to the next. 
I love this conversation. We're going to have to have a part two because I feel I, like you I and I can so. go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. We were destined to have this conversation today. I have really enjoyed this. I hope that somebody, even just one person, can take something away from this today and something that I might have mentioned. I hope just one person can find something. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And I always love when someone who is doing research and they stumble upon our podcast and they're like, wow, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know there are people who were so willing, people who are in the same boat as me, willing to talk about it and willing to help. Because in the beginning, like you said, Correct. we're not in competition with each other when it comes down to it. We're really not. Right, exactly. I definitely hope we reach at least one person. And I know on an average basis, we do. We reset at right. least one, but is it going to resonate and stay? Exactly. That's what exactly. I, that's what we both want. And yeah, right. I, I saw, I was like, yeah, this, what you've described all around full circle, it's eye-opening because a lot of people don't realize some of the things that were discussed on this podcast. When you're new starting out, they don't realize it. Right. Exactly. And like I said, it's just one piece of information. If that can resonate with somebody, then you and I have been very successful this morning at getting that out there because virtual assistants, we're not going anywhere. And on that note, Debbie, <laughs> <laughs> on that wonderful note, tell us where we can find you online, all your social media handles, your website. We'll also put it in the blog, but tell us right now, just give yourself a shout out. Um, let us know where we can find you. You can find me on any of the social media channels at the busy B V A. My website is www.thebusybva.com. I love connecting with people. So hopefully people will stop by, give me a, a message, a DM, say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast. I really just like being able to have the conversation with people and just network. Hopefully we'll see some of those people. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Debbie, for being a fabulous guest on the AIM podcast. Well, thank you for having me today, Monica. This was wonderful. Awesome. So for all you out there listening, check Debbie out. And until next time on the AIM podcast, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>